Lock and load. This is the Brothers in Arms Fully Automatic Podcast. Brought to you by MajorLeagueShooters.com. You'll hear about two brothers that shared their journey to gun ownership, giving you their fully automatic perspective about ownership, safety, accuracy, laws, news, and everything in between firearm related. Lock and load, the range is hot. All right, let's do this. This is Brothers in Arms, fully automatic. This was recorded before the tragic events that recently transpired with the Texas school shooting, which prematurely took 18 plus innocent lives. We offer our sincerest condolences to all victims of senseless violence and hope our platform provides the valuable information needed to inform politicians and the public. Welcome to the Brothers in Arms Fully Automatic Podcast. I'm your big little brother. I'm your little big brother. This episode, our fifth episode, join us as we talk about active shooters. Lock and load. The range is hot. So it gets a little crazy this episode because we're talking about all of these crazy shootings that's going on. Um, there's a lot of shootings that they like to label as mass shootings, active shooter situations. But there's different organizations that have come up with different definitions of what constitutes a mass shooting, what co- constitutes an active shooter situation. So we, we've we chosen three different um current event situations that um we want to focus on today and i'm just going to run through them real quick so you got that uh las vegas shooting a couple weeks ago um you had a 68 year old asian man who shot six people he killed one person in the church um it seemed to be politically motivated against the asian community the shooter was asian and he shot a bunch of a uh elderly asian parishioners in this particular church he was subdued by the churchgoers they hogtied him and they were able to arrest him and limit the number of casualties that took place um the one casualty yeah it's kind of crazy and the one casualty that uh did happen in that incident was i believe uh the person who did pass away was uh, one person who stood up and actually tried to attack him and stop him from doing what he was doing. And that uh, afforded the other people to actually get involved and stop him, you know, from continuing to shoot people. There were, I think, 30 to 50 other people in the church at the time. Wow. So that's that's the Las Vegas uh, shooting. Second uh, shooting that I wanted to talk about was the New York City train uh, subway shooting. You had um, an African American uh, shooter who let off a smoke bomb on the train. A smoke bomb. Exactly. Like I haven't seen what? a smoke bomb since like the eighties. But um, he let off a smoke bomb, and and he just started shooting randomly. I, I can't imagine that he could see anything with a smoke bomb going off in the train. But um, he wound up shooting at least ten people. No one died, you know, thankfully. Uh, but there were there were a significant number of people who did get shot. He was caught a number of days after the 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 shooting. 
and he pled not guilty. The thing that stood out to me about this was that they were able to find him uh, because they put out a reward for him. And the people who caught him caught him based off of a, a photo. So he pled not guilty. And he's basically saying that that's that wasn't him. So it'll be interesting to see if they can prove that it was him, because um, he seems to be trying to get off on a on a technicality or some kind of loophole or whatever. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, see, I wouldn't want to see any copycats of that. That's the, you know you always see the stu the stupidity after these dumb incidents happen with these you know people that are mentally unstable and they make these horrible decisions to break the law but different you know aspects of of the attacks always have some genius sitting back like yeah i'm gonna clout chase i want to do the same thing and, and and i hope we don't start seeing that because you know the whole smoke bomb thing is whack well it's funny you mentioned that because the next shooting which is the most recent shooting they already have two copycats. Oh God! And they were able, they were able to foil the copycats before they actually killed anybody. But Thank I God. think that it, it's a big deal that the news and the media publicize these things the way they do because it does embolden and enable, you know, people who normally wouldn't do these things or you know maybe going through some things to get ideas, ideas. Yeah, exactly yeah. they get yeah. ideas and they're like hey wow he's the man let me let me do it too and that's not you know, that's not a that's not a natural thought though you it's know what not I'm saying? And, it is that's what we're not talking about so go ahead what was, right. the, what was the other shooting you were you were talking about so most recently we had the buffalo um that's shooting right. and you know he was a, a a white shooter he drove three hours to a black neighborhood to shoot up a, a, a supermarket, a grocery store. It was um, racially motivated. He was radicalized online over the pandemic, 18 years old. Um, he had a history of mental illness and threats. He made uh, some sig significant threats to do a mass shooting in an assignment in school where uh, the police were alerted and he was taken for a mental health evaluation. And they, I guess, they, they they didn't deem it as serious as initially thought. And they let him go. And then he goes and does this. The, the worst part of this particular incident is that he, came, he, he wrote a 180-page manifesto. That takes time. I have a master's degree. I did a dissertation. Right. My dissertation was 80 pages. <laughs> and that took me a while to do. And, and they give you all of the, you know, templates and all of that stuff so you could figure it out. This guy came up with 180 pages on why he has beef with the black community. And hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He has beef with the black community. Not necessarily beef with the black community, but why he had, why his justification for shooting up these people. So his perspective. His perspective and why he was doing it. And and essentially he felt like uh people of color are taking over and essentially um making white people extinct to some degree. 
Isn't there a whole group? Isn't there a whole group of like, like I don't know what you call those people, but like, isn't there some some sort of movement with with people that are on that same mentality? I, well, we certainly do have some um, Republican politicians who espouse that ideology, and they've been very vocal about it. Um, they certainly do feel as though. Um, the country is is changing. I think they call it the darkening of the United States. So wow, yeah, and you know it is it is what it is. That's people have their own thoughts and they believe what they want to believe, and it is what it is. I mean, we are immigrants here. When you think about it, unless you're Native right. American, exactly. you're an immigrant, right? So right. the truth of the matter is, is that we have to look at these incidents and really take a long, hard look in the mirror as a country and decide how we want to move forward. Um, so, yeah, we have those three incidents. The last one is the most recent, and it's probably the biggest uh, shooting that we've had since Sandy Hook. And it's, in where... another, it's a, another, another mass shooting in a gun-restrictive state well, it's interesting has... you say that. It's interesting <laughs> you say that because not we're not just talking about a gun restrictive state. We're talking about the most heavily restricted state in the country, right? So right. if we're talking about a place where this shouldn't have happened, this is the place where it shouldn't have happened. On top of the fact that he had already made threats that he wanted to in in a in a school assignment. He said he wanted to uh, do a mass shooting or mass killing, right? And right. it came. He presented that to an educator, and the educator reported him. And they took him in for a mental health evaluation, and they he was able to get out of uh, of any real consequences because he lied to them. And in his 180 page manifesto, he explains how he did it, and 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 social media posts. He brags about being held in this hospital for multiple hours and then being able to explain to them in 15 minutes how he was just, you know, messing around and, you know, he wasn't serious about it and, and they let him go. So he wasn't absolute. He wasn't absolutely dumb. Like he, he had a plan. He had a plan. He was very deliberate about his plan. He's right. bragging about how he got away with his plan. And he's pointing out and and basically uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He, he's essentially <laughs> pointing out how he, he got past all of these stringent laws. And and basically, I forget the word he used. I think he, he he's used thumbing the word. his nose. He's, he's thumbing, thumbing his, nose, his nose. He's thumbing his nose at the authorities and the New York State stringent gun laws. In his act of doing this, right, big time, right. So let's look at some of the laws in New York State, right. And these are all things that they've implemented since Sandy Hook in Connecticut. You cannot have a detachable magazine on your rifle. So if you have a semi-automatic rifle. It has okay. to be affixed to the gun. So whereas everybody else can take their magazine off and reload a new one in New York, you can't. And he bought his gun like this 
and changed it. This is another way he thumbed his nose at the law. He 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 basically says, I bought it New York State compliant, and, and I was able to change it. All I had to do was get my dad's drill and change it. So one thing was that he changed it so that he could detach the magazines. He bought it where you couldn't detach it, and he changed it so that you could. Hey, Second have you thing, ever seen have you ever seen a, a New York compliant rifle? Yeah, I have. It looks weird. Um, so when you say a fixed, like, help me understand what that looks like. Because for me, I've never seen a, a firearm, let's say, that has a magazine that's affixed and can't be removed. Okay, so, so I'm trying to even think what that looks like. Like, what 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 does that look like for the people that's listening? Okay, so when you have when you want to take out detach a magazine from your gun, there's a button you press, and that drops the magazine out of the gun. In this instance, I believe that button is changed into a screw. And that screw is not like a normal screw. You need one of those um, drill, yeah. one of those drill bits that takes out stripped screws in order okay. to get it out. Okay? okay. So he 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 was able to get this screw out so that he can put whatever button in that's normally there to be able to drop his magazine and, and reload a new magazine. The other uh, features include no um, uh, detachable muzzle device. You have to have the muzzle device, which is at the end of the barrel, right? So if you have a muzzle device on the end of your barrel, generally what that does is it mitigates recoil to allow you to do quicker follow-up shots and get back on target. So if you have a a muzzle device on the end of your, your weapon that you want to take off and maybe put on a silence or maybe put on a different type of muzzle device. New York State says you, you it has to be a fix. You cannot take it off. Okay. Another uh, feature that they pass is you cannot have a pistol grip. So if you look at a New York State compliant gun, it does not have a pistol grip. It has some weird it's it's weird. It's if like you a hunting Google, stock. Like you gotta have like the hunting stock. Like no, we're, we're no. Wabbits. It's not even a hunting stock because you can't put a hunting stock on an AR-15. If you if you just Google New put York State, Com if you Google <laughs> New York State compliant AR-15 and look at the at what's on it, you can't even call it a stock. It's weird. <laughs> gotcha. So you cannot have a pistol grip, right? Okay. And th this thing that they have now is not called a pistol grip. I forget what it's called, but um, it looks strange. <laughs> wow. Um, you cannot have standard magazines. See, they like to say uh, high-capacity magazines. That's a new buzzword now. They're not high-capacity magazines. Those are standard magazines. Before mass shooters were using them, they were all over the place. Nobody ever killed anybody with these magazines, right? Right. But because they feel like you have too many bullets in them, now they call them high-capacity magazines. But those have been designated standard magazines. 30-round magazines are standard magazines. Wow. Um, so in New York, you cannot have a standard magazine. You can only have a magazine that goes up to 10 rounds. And if you have one, you either have to modify it, sell it, or, you know, you could get in trouble. So damn nope. restrictive. <laughs> yeah. Well, these are all of the things that were in place when this guy did this. No wow. bump stocks, right? Like that Las Vegas shooting with the guy who had the bump stock. I can't have bump that. stocks that in New York. 
Right. So no bump stocks. Um, and a bump stock allows you to just shoot more rapidly than you would normally be able to. You can't not fully, shoot. Not fully automatic. No, no, no shameless it, plug there, but. <laughs> right. You know, technically, I guess you could compare it to being fully automatic, but it's not fully it's automatic not the in the sense that you just pull the trigger once and go. No, right. You got to actually kind of manipulate it in order for it to kind of do that. And it's not accurate at all. Right. Um, no collapsible stocks. So the stock is the part that you put on your shoulder as you're aiming. And a collapsible stock, which is um, common in AR-15s, allows you to adjust it so that it fits you more comfortably, so that right. you can shoot better, so that you can shoot accurately. They don't want you to be able to do that in New York. So they'd rather you have a gun too big or too small for you so that you can't shoot it accurately. So... Okay. This is something that's outlawed in New York. You can't have a collapsible stop. One They've size also, fits all, folks. One size fits all. You <laughs> figure out how to shoot it and figure, figure it out. out how to grab it or whatever. Um, they implemented red flag laws. True. The red flag law thing as well is not something that everybody understands. So explain a little bit about this red flag thing because it appears to be something in theory that is good intentions that has good intentions red flag laws indicate you know uh indicate that if someone is a threat to themselves or to other people and they've been brought to the attention of the authorities and, and in this case they were the police were notified this guy is talking about killing a bunch of people do something about it they should have notified the proper authorities in order to ensure that he couldn't buy a gun. He should have been inputted into this system. In New York State, you have to be uh, notified. Uh, uh, the county needs to be notified, who then has to notify someone else for them to put it into the system. Right. So he fell through the cracks. He wasn't risen to the, you know, to the, to the occasion of, hey, this is a serious situation where he needs to be you know, prevented from uh, being able to purchase a gun. They looked right. at it as he wasn't involuntarily admitted. He was just there for an evaluation. And in his evaluation, we found that he was okay. He convinced them that he was okay. And so they did it. And fair enough, an investigation by authorities did not find enough grounds to hold and keep him by law. All right. Should that should that have have unfolded that way, right? These are the things that are the fail safes for our country. If a person is mentally unstable, if a person is in crisis, if a person is just falling through the cracks, this is this is the time and the the exact people who are responsible for saying, "Hey, let's reel this back in and help this person get the help that they need to to stabilize." Listen, but in this instance. They evaluated him, and they did not have any grounds to keep him, stop him from being able to move forward and and be on any list, is what we're saying, right? Well, I think at this point, we need to have a different kind of conversation regarding these types of red flag laws, right? If you're going to say this person made a threat to kill people, 
in a public place. I don't care what you say. Now, you made that threat. It was proven that you made this threat. You should not be able to buy guns at least for a certain amount of time. And that's what they didn't do. They did not put him on that list so that he couldn't buy a gun. Let's not even talk about the equipment that he bought and what it cost and where he got that money from as an 18-year-old. So hold on. Did he did he buy the gun? I mean, was it was the gun purchased legally? He bought all of his guns legally. He had an AR-15 legally purchased. They interviewed the per, the, per, the the gun shop that he purchased it from, and the gun uh, dealer didn't do anything wrong. He didn't yeah, come up. This, that, that makes this a totally different conversation. Then that's a, that makes it a totally different conversation. If he bought his guns legal in New York, in New York State, oh, he definitely. bought his guns in the most restrictive state legally. He wasn't on any list not to after he made these threats. So the gun dealer is not at fault here because whoever was supposed to put this in the system didn't because he wasn't involuntarily admitted into a mental institution. He was just there for evaluation. an evaluation and he was able to successfully convince people that wasn't nothing wrong with him. So the red flag laws didn't work. Right. At at so we got we got some other things here. They broaden the definition of what an assault weapon is. So huh? just, the, just the term assault weapon is a term used to describe the modern sporting rifle. It's the most owned rifle in the country. People call it an assault weapon to make it sound scary, but it's right. an actually a modern sporting rifle. It's the same rifle and functions the same way as a hunting rifle. You pull the trigger once, a bullet comes out. The only right. difference is, it's black and it looks like the M16 which is a, a standard rifle. standard issue military rifle, which has a three burst uh, uh, op option and a fully yeah. automatic option. There's no I, I don't know if there's a semi-automatic option or not, but there's three bursts and definitely fully automatic the civilian version is the ar-15 which you pull the trigger once it goes bang once so they make it sound scarier than it really is right and you know they they highlight the the way it looks big black rifle gun whatever whatever and when we say and, they we're talking about anti-gunners we're talking about people that don't understand what's happening in in the gun community and and just speak out of line without knowing the facts we're just presenting the facts on the I Don't Shoot the Messenger episode, and this is just part of what we see when we look at any scenario, um, but especially when it's a scenario that has to do with guns, because that's... that's Absolutely. Uh, other things that they implemented after Sandy Hook, there's three more things, they required background checks for ammo. So not only did he have to purchase this New York State-compliant AR-15 along with he had a bolt-action rifle, which is a regular hunting rifle, a pump-action shotgun. He had to go through a background check to get the ammunition for that, which obviously he was able to pass because he was able to pass the background check for the guns. Um, did he have a lot of ammunition? Did he have a lot of ammunition? So not only did he get his gun legally, he got his ammunition legally, too, and had plenty of it. 
Listen, not only did he have ammunition and three guns, he had body armor and a helmet. If you know anything about body armor, it costs at least a few hundred dollars for decent right. body armor. Helmets are, are way more expensive than that, depending on what kind of helmet you get. So, really? you know, he had all kinds of equipment that was really expensive. I'm I'm questioning where he was able to get that money. He, he was actually probably equipped with at least three or four thousand dollars worth of equipment, depending on where he got the, those weapons, because New York State does not sell you a gun for cheap. And that's on the low side. That's I mean, three. That's on the low side. Another um, uh, rule that they implemented, if you uh, you have to report your lost or stolen guns within a day. In New York State, so if if you that's lost, new? say that again. So that's new. No, this was implemented after Sandy. Hook. After Sandy, that's what I mean by it's new. Like, yeah, I thought I shit. I thought every I thought it was like that everywhere. Okay. And then um, the final one is mental health professionals or other people needed to report. Uh, well, no, mental health professionals need to report patients to the police if they're a danger to themselves or to other people. So these are all of the things that were implemented in 2013 after Sandy Hook. And these things didn't stop this situation from happening at all. So I, I think it's important for us to propose some things that possibly could have helped and could help in the future to prevent these types of shootings from happening. Well, the, One, big, I, the big elephant in the room, the big elephant in the room is that the shootings are, are just a symptom of a of, of, of way bigger sickness that nobody is really addressing thoroughly. And I think well, that all too often we hear about people that are making these crazy because what we're talking about is not a rational person let's let's start there right we're talking about mental health we're talking about addressing mental health and that's so difficult to do that they'd rather just add more laws on the books and stop people from getting guns and you know make restrictive rules because it's so difficult to deal with mental health how do you do it anyone who has a a a mental health scenario in their family knows how difficult that is. Do you have somebody who's on medication who refuses to take medication? There's nothing you can really do about it so until they have a crisis. If they're an adult, if they're an adult, right? If they're an adult and they refuse to take their medication, there's nothing you can do about it until they are a danger to themselves or to somebody else. And then you have to call the police, the ambulance, whoever, and and get them involuntarily, you know, admitted. admitted into a mental health uh, uh, facility and get them evaluated. But the point is, is that there's nothing that you can really do. And the system doesn't really help you. They'll take that in place to, to 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 support the needs. And that's that's the bigger issue. Right. And And how do you. How does the system. How does the system deal with millions of people who have mental health concerns? Now, now let's let's be clear. The average person with a mental health situation is not violent. They're not. They're not at all. They're not. They might be socially inept. They might be a little 
strange. They might have behavioral concerns. They might not know how to really, you know, operate in normal social circles. They might, you know, just be depressed. They might have anxiety. They might, you know, there's a bunch of different things that fall under the mental health umbrella that don't constitute you as a, a risk to kill people. Right. Right. So that's, I think, the big elephant in the room that the majority of people who have mental health concerns are not people who are going to kill people. So do people who have mental health concerns have the right to defend themselves and own a gun? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm passionate about that. I believe so. But it's, it's more nuanced than that. Right? Like, you need to really look at and really have something in place for the people who have issues with being safe it's one thing to want to hurt yourself and then a lot of a huge percentage of these gun deaths are suicides and that's a mental health issue too i think if we deal with the mental health concern it's gonna hit a couple birds with that stone you're gonna hit you're gonna knock out a couple birds you're gonna deal with suicides you're gonna deal with mass shootings and those are the biggest well, suicides are the, is the biggest number. So you got mental health. If we deal with mental health, I think we'll we'll deal with a huge percentage of what we of the concern that we're dealing with right now. Our, I think our nation, our nation is so skilled as a people. We can go to another galaxy. There's no reason why we can't attack mental health in this country with more resources than we have and make it more important because it's going to fix a lot of things for the world in general. But in this instance, specifically, I think that's the number one thing, but not the only thing either, right? Someone's got to be able to report the information accurately and consistently and concisely with, with, with something that holds up. Because if the reporting's not there, we've, we've seen all too many times as well where, okay, the system has things in place, and now we've got to get that information to the right people before it can stop someone. It was interesting you say that. That was my next point. Fix the reporting system. In this instance, right, the police and the hospital were responsible for not reporting it to whoever they needed to report it to. How? So I How? think that's exactly that's a big that's the big job. question. <laughs> that's a huge question. Why didn't they? He must wow. have been really, really convincing. And the worst part is in his 180 pages and in his social media posts, he brags about how he was able to convince authorities that he wasn't a threat. Meanwhile, he admits that he was planning on shooting up his graduation. That's unacceptable. that's unacceptable. not only unacceptable, but I think it it puts authorities in a position where whether you're serious or not about a threat like that, now you need to be put on the list. You can't have a gun. It's almost worse. Well, it's definitely worse than yelling fire or bomb on a plane. At least if you yell fire or bomb on a plane, you could get back on the plane later. So. They need to fix the reporting system. They need to fix how the police, how the mental health professionals decide who gets put on that list not to have guns. And the funny thing is, is generally 
I'm against the whole red flag laws because you get a girlfriend, a, 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 a scorned girlfriend who's mad at you, who knows you got guns. All she got to do is make a phone call and now you're in trouble. That's the only reason why I'm against it because any anybody can make an accusation against you knowing that you have guns and now you can't have them. The next, uh, I think, fix. So you got mental health. Let's address mental health. Let's address the, the reporting system for mental health. And the next suggestion I think that would really significantly impact these types of shooting situations are to teach gun safety, handling, and storage. If the average person just understood what was normal, safe gun handling, gun safety, and gun storage, I think that you wouldn't have as many stolen guns or lost guns getting into the wrong hands. You wouldn't have, you'd have a healthy respect for firearms where people generally understood, hey, you just can't behave recklessly around guns. Right. And, it, and it, it would, it, I think it would at least minimize accidents, suicides, and other mishaps with guns. Um, the next, I think, suggestion, which I think would significantly influence these scenarios enforce the laws on the books there's thousands of gun laws on the books that aren't being enforced they just keep proposing new gun laws there are gun laws on the books that okay so one one example we already have background checks you have to Put yourself through a background check in order to buy a gun. But the proposal is expanded background checks. I don't understand what that is. What's an expanded background check? Because when you subject yourself to a background check, you go through the NICS, the NICS, the National right. Background Check, through the FBI and the ATF. You have to submit your fingerprints and, and your social security number and, 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 and anything that comes up on you is stuff that the government knows. So what other kind of background check do they want to perform that's under the umbrella of universal background checks? Everything that I've been able to find indicates that they just want to put you on a list. Right. And, I, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I'm sure... If you own a gun, you're already on somebody's list. But to actively say now, hey, you're on this universal gun, you know, you're on this list, I think is a little different than what we currently have. The way we currently have it, individual gun owners have their records. And the only way the government gets those records is if that business goes out of business. They have to send those records to the FBI or to the ATF. And that's how the ATF and the FBI are able to compile a list of who has what. The last thing is, last suggestion I have is to, to hold the system accountable. So in this instance, the police or the hospital did not report that this guy could have potentially been a threat. 
the police or the hospital should be held responsible. I read an article recently that the families of the Buffalo shooting have hired an attorney to sue the gun manufacturers. The gun manufacturers didn't do this. <laughs> That's happening more and more often too. This, this, this guy bought the gun in the state the way he was supposed to buy it and then he changed it and bragged about changing it. What do the gun manufacturers have to do about that? I, I just, I don't know. There's, I think everyone's looking for everyone's looking for someone to be responsible. No one wants to take responsibility for their part in it, right? And the person the, responsible is the person who did the shooting. The criminal. The criminal. The person right. who actively circumvented all of these rules in the most stringent gun-unfriendly state in the United States and bragged about it. He's the one responsible. He's the one who bought the gun and changed it to an illegal format. He's the one who convinced the authorities that he was sane. Which brings up another issue. Like, clearly, you got mental health concerns, but you're able to convince people that you don't. Yeah, very intelligent. There's a lot to consider here. There's a lot to consider. Even in all of the information that we've given, there's still a lot to consider. There's a lot to really look at. And, and, and there's no there's no concrete answers on how to really get this thing where it needs to be. I just gave you five proposals on how to make it better that wouldn't infringe on my right because I'm not going to go and shoot up a supermarket. But I don't feel like my guns should be regulated more than they are. I don't feel like I should be restricted in my capacity, in my magazines. I don't feel like there are other features that should be taken away from my ability, you know what I mean, to acquire all my guns. Because I'm not going to do any of that. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm not going to do any of that. We need to address the people who are not going to follow the rules and find a way to catch them before they do it. And I think that's the problem. They just want a blanket answer that's going to prevent anyone. Well, we know we know a couple of things. We know that making more laws and being as strict as possible doesn't stop people from committing crime. It doesn't stop people from committing murder, right? We also know that safety is super important for anyone who is going to be around or in the vicinity of or have access to a firearm, ammunition, or the ability to, to, to make one, right? And so if we look at mental health as the, the foundation of who should be trusted, is people that think rationally, people that make sound decisions, people that have a history of being a diffuser, not not a not someone who's 
going to escalate the situation. Right. Who's going to take advantage of having a powerful tool like a firearm? Because there's certain people that should be able to drive a car and there's certain people that shouldn't be able to drive a car. There's certain people that should have access to, you know, uh, I don't, um, I don't like that comparison. People like to use that comparison with cars. And I'm going to tell you why I don't, because the ability to own and drive a car is a privilege. Right, but not in that aspect. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Owning a gun aspect. is a right, and it took me a while to really understand this. This is a. I'm just right. talking about ability from the from the perspective of ability, right? Someone someone might have the ability to turn on the car, press both pedals that are in there, but they shouldn't be driving. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Not not from an aspect of what the normal idea of the comparison of a vehicle and a gun. Got it. Well, I think ultimately these are the reasons why we advocate gun ownership. Is because one, police won't be there generally to stop the crime from happening. And would you rather be able to protect yourself and your family or have to wait for the police to show up to clean up the mess? I'd rather be able to stop this person in the supermarket if if I decided to do that. I'd rather be able to hide in a corner with my daughter and my wife and wait for him to show up and do what I need to do as opposed to not being able to do that. It's a fact. I mean, it's a it's a greater a greater rate of survival in every instance if you have the ability to protect yourself. Um, with the best tool possible, right? I'd rather have, you know, a sharp object than a blunt object if I had an option, right? There's there's advantages, and you want the best tools to defend yourself should the need arise. No, no one's walking around taking candy from the kids. I'm just talking about protecting yourself at all times. I think that there's a significant portion of the country that realizes that there's more of a need now for the average person to be able to defend themselves as opposed to picking up the phone and calling the authorities. The opinion has shifted, and I think the pandemic has something to do with that as well because people got afraid. People, There's a lot going on at the same time, too, though, with racial tensions and different... Th there's There's been a pressure cooker in the United States or and everywhere for the for the last three years. So, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you uh following us on this journey. We wanted to talk about ghost guns this go around. Tune in next time where we get a little deeper and uh give you a little bit more information on all things guns. Thank you for tuning in. The range is clear. You've been listening to the Brothers in Arms Fully Automatic Podcast. Brought to you by MajorLeagueShooters.com. Your number one source for gun parts and accessories. You can join us every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hear us on all the major podcast platforms. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Facebook at Major League Shooters and on Instagram at Major underscore League Shooters. See you next time.